Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd. Head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. What is going on? John Middlecoff, the three and out podcast here on the Colin Coward Podcast Network. Just finished, I, you know, I'd call it a classic. I, you know, I, I don't want the refs to take away my joy. So it's, I wouldn't quite go classic, but it's way better than just a really good game. Somewhere in the middle of a really good game and a classic the ending, the final drive, was definitely a classic. Walt Anderson, uh, I tweeted this, needs to be put out to pasture. He should not be allowed at 65, 66 years old. Wikipedia does not have an exact age to ever call an NFL game again. But th- this is not going to be about the officials. Uh, the, the, the play on the field was too high level, so I'm not going to get caught up on that. But 29-28, the game literally just ended, came right in my office, Record this bad boy. Uh, what a game. A uh, lot, lot coming up today. Some thoughts, obviously, on this game. The the NFL and the ever-growing cap. Saquon Barkley's just greatness. Talking to some friends in the league. Uh, Kyler Murray situation's pretty interesting. And, and you know at the end, we always dive into the Middlecoff mailbag. You slide into my DMs at John Middlecoff on Instagram. And I will answer your questions on the show. You just slide into my DMs. They're wide open on Instagram at John Middlecoff and I'll answer them. But but really quick, everyone knows about the risks about dr- drunk driving. You could get in a crash. People could get hurt or killed, but that still doesn't stop everyone. You could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses and you could possibly even lose your job. We all know the consequences of driving drunk, but one thing's for sure, you're wrong if you think it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Administration. Uh, Wow, where do I even begin? I, I think one of the most basic lessons we all learn, and it's hard to actually put this into reality, is it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And, you know, as you get older, you realize that in any business you have, uh, just a- anything in life. It- it's so true. It's one of the most basic things I think any parent, you know, teaches their kids, son or daughter. Uh, we all learn it in youth sports, but it's tough. You know, if you fail at something early and, and you believe in yourself, 
You know, it's easy to give up or, you know, ultimately just kind of have the loser mentality. And I've always believed in this guy. uh, And I've never thought he was a loser necessarily. But I did think that, man, he consistently makes boneheaded plays in big spots. And luckily tonight, and he said it after the game, and God, he would make a... I mean, he, he, every time they win a game and they put a mic in front of Phillip Rivers' face, you just think, Jason Witten's lucky because if he retired right now, you better believe Monday Night Football would call him immediately. He's going to be a fantastic NFL analyst one day if he wants to do that. I know he wants to coach high school sports, but the, the, those interceptions that he threw in the first half are just are unacceptable for a guy of his caliber, for a guy that you know, is widely viewed by, by anyone with common sense, by the entire NFL, as just a stud, as one of the truly great quarterbacks, you know, of the last 10 years. But his resume is lacking some things. His teams don't consistently go to the playoffs, and a lot of times it's because of his boneheaded mistakes in, in big games. Uh, I won't put last year all on him, but in, in years past. Now, he's always battled, and this is difficult. If you work for someone and they are cheap, uh, that can hinder your performance because if you don't own a company, you know, if you're the quarterback of a team, you're not in full control of everything. It's not his fault that, you know, Dean Spanos has consistently gone cheap on coaches. But I'll give Anthony Lynn credit. He had the stones, whether it was Rivers' call or not, to, you know, call the two-pointer at the end of the game. But Phillips' play in that fourth quarter was just was just lights out. I mean, that throw he made down a touchdown on, what was it, 4th and 12 to, to Benjamin was just, was Hall of Fame level. Uh, I tweeted this out right after the game that, listen, I, I you'd have to go back and look at every box score in every game of his 14-year career or whatever, but that has to be the biggest regular season win of his career, and there really probably can't be a close second. To win this game on the road, uh, in down 14 points in the fourth quarter, Keenan Allen gets knocked out. Your starting running back gets knocked out, and it it also shows you why you always draft best player available. Did they need Mike Williams? Probably not. Could they have won this game with Mike Williams? No way in hell. You know, uh, he was just fantastic. But to me, it starts and ends with Philip Rivers. He just gets mollywhopped play after play, and again, he he could have gone into the tank. Those first two turnovers, I mean, the first turnover on the first series was atrocious, but the one in the end zone at the end of the half was even worse. You can't have red zone turnovers, but I I don't have the stats in front of me, but his second half, I mean, man, he was just, he was locked and loaded. I mean, that's Montana, Brady, Aaron Rodgers in his prime. It, It just doesn't get any better than that. Like, that's as good as it gets. Second half, on the road, in a freezing cold environment, without your star receiver, without your star running back, with your offensive linemen, especially the guards just getting spun like a dreidel, and he never flinches. I mean, one of the truly mentally tough and physically tough SOBs this league has ever seen. And say what you want, and again, I, I, I'm i watching this game thinking, God, I don't really want to crush Rivers, but going into the halftime, I'm like, I mean, he's going to end up with three picks, and they're going to lose by a couple touchdowns. This is going to be just an awful loss. But, again, back to what I said, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And, God, he started. I mean, his start was terrible, but his finish was incredible. And the one thing you have to give him, and I was thinking this, whether he got the two-pointer or not, I, I there can't be a player, a quarterback, over this last, you know, decade plus that you just respect more. You know, I think a lot of people in the league, and I think fans are catching on now. Big Ben used to be the super tough guy, and it's now like, God, he's just a drama queen. Well, Rivers isn't. He has a little Draymond Green in him. Like, he's always screaming at the referees. But tonight, I thought, was a defining game of his career. And I, I know the hyperbole and stuff gets thrown around a lot with players. But I think with this player, Phillip Rivers, on the road against this team, uh, and I, he said after the game, we haven't won 11 games in forever. You know, and they're they're going to win next week. They get Baltimore at home, and then they go to Denver. Uh, they, they actually don't control their own destiny. The Chiefs do. But if the Chiefs lose one of these last two games, 
and they go to Seattle next week. The Chargers can still get the one seed. They could still get the one seed. The Texans have four losses. The Patriots have four losses. The Chargers run the table, and the Chiefs lose one of these last two. They will get the one seed. I mean, just an incredible, I mean, incredible last, what's their, they've won 11 of the last 13 games because they lost game one to the Chiefs. And they kind of got their ass kicked uh, that opening week in L.A. And I still consider them the San Diego Chargers. They'll always be San Diego to me. And man, I, I just, beside Walt Anderson getting uh, throwing a flag, it felt like, on every play, what a defining win for a guy that, that really needed it. And to me, his career is kind of defined on, you know, th- this was a moment where he could have not just, not gone in the tank, but just, you know, another classic Rivers game. And even at the end, like, oh, he starts out, throws a couple picks, then they come back, and it felt like, you know, he's going to end up a two feet short. They're, they're not going to score a touchdown on that final drive. Then they score the touchdown, and you're like, oh, they got to go for it, and I loved going for it. Because in life, man, I'm so tired, and this is these, these conservative coaches are a dying breed. They are dinosaurs. And whether that was Anthony Lynn I know Rivers gave him credit. It looked like Rivers went right to two. Uh, whether that was Rivers' call, Wisenhunt's call, I give them all credit because the momentum was on your side. Let it keep rolling. Don't play for overtime on the road in the craziest away environment where they got a tough quarterback, I mean, elite young quarterback, and you're just, you know, at the control of the coin flip because if the coin flip doesn't go your way, there is no telling that they can go right down the, the field and score six points in the game end. So I, I, I loved Rivers' second half. Abs- I mean, it's one of my favorite play calls in recent memory to go for two in that situation because a lot of old school guys would have one million percent kicked the field goal. and or the, I mean, the PAT. And with the Chargers luck, it probably would have hit the upright. So just, just an incredible performance by my man, Phillip Rivers. I'll never forget my first year in the NFL. I was taking, I, I used to, my, my, my first year, Lewis Riddick would do the advance reports, the advanced scattering reports. And on Monday night, I'd hand them out to every coach. You'd walk around the hallway and hand them out. You'd always kind of BS with some coaches that were, were in the office. Some were cooler than others. And I vividly remember we were playing the Bills. And I was like, God, thank God we got the Bills to, you know, one of our coaches. And he's like, hey, John, (laughs) they drive nice cars, too. Like, they're pros, too. Like, don't be saying that. And it just taught me, and we ended up losing that game. But but it just taught me, and I I think sometimes as a fan, your expectations when you play bad teams, you just think you're always going to win. And you work in the league, it it gave me a newfound respect for these dudes are pros, and you can lose any type game. I mean, on the highest level of any business, when guys are, I mean, the select few, even if, you know, the team is down. I mean, a, a one-win team, that one win, they're beating someone. So you always have to keep your head on a swivel, especially in the NFL. It's one thing in the NBA where gutless teams just literally quit. Uh, in baseball, they may just be pitching, you know, some dude late in August or September that deserves to be in double A. But in football, I mean, for the most part, you're going to get the team's best effort, and you're playing a, a team of just of pros. But when you look at the Chiefs, they are, someone just tweeted at me, and they brought up a good point. Like, there's a chance if they lose one of these last two games, they end up 12-4. and four. Is it one of the all-time letdown 12-4 and four teams we've ever seen? What's crazy is coming in tonight, the Chiefs, were 11-2, and two, and their two losses were on the road to L.A. in that great Monday night game, 54-51, to 51, and the Patriots, I think they lost 41-44 to 44 or something. They lost by three points. They lost by a total of six points to those two teams, and then they lost by tonight by one. They've lost three games, Patriots, Rams, and the Chargers, by a total of seven points. The margin for errors in the NFL even for good teams, I mean, are, are just minuscule. They're tiny. And the Chiefs now have to win probably out to clinch the division and the one seed. 
I, you know, in two weeks at Seattle is not going to be easy, especially with Seattle has a cupcake this week in San Francisco. Now, the Chiefs do have a longer recovery, but still, that, that is no easy game. Uh, I still lean Mahomes as the MVP. I've been saying all year long, I wouldn't mind a Mahomes-Breeze split. Just give it to them both. Because I, I often look at the MVP when you think about the league on that year. Who, like, who really jumps out? Like, it's why I never had an issue with Steph Curry winning those two MVPs. It's why I didn't even have an issue when Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double that year in the NBA. I think the NBA does a consistently pretty good job of it. The NFL is a little more difficult, and it's kind of somewhat like the Heisman. For the most part, only uh, quarterbacks get it. But like the one year when Adrian Peterson came back from the ACL and ran for 2,000 yards and carried Christian Ponder to the playoffs, like he got it. When I think of this year, the first thing that comes to my head is Patrick Mahomes. But if Breeze wins out, like you can't dispute that. And if, you, if I had a vote, I would give them both first place votes. But the one guy who's just had a fantastic season, coming in tonight, he was 31-8. and eight, uh, 31 touchdowns, 8 picks. And I think, you know, if you just do the math, he's got 33-10 and 10 now. And if they were to get the one seed, I'd be hard-pressed to not throw Phillip Rivers in that mix. But I think he saw tonight, and Brett Veach once famously said, had, had uh, a, the general manager of the Chiefs, it was a, uh, a headline on Pro Football Talk, he's the best player I've ever seen, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Like, he's absolutely incredible. And regardless how this Chiefs season finishes out, whether they win out and they win the division and get the one seed, whether they lose out and are a wild card team, do you understand how bright the future is with this guy? How special he is? Like, he was making Kelvin Benjamin look good. Their defense is terrible. Like, there is no chance as time goes on, their defense doesn't just improve. I mean, they, they can't get any worse. So, to me, the sky is the freaking limit with this guy. If you're a Chiefs fan, I get this season, uh, especially if you get the one seed and you have home field. You want to win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that. And you definitely want to win a playoff game. But to get to enjoy knowing that you have this guy for the foreseeable future. He's in his second year and his first year starting. Like, think how special that is. So, I, I this loss sucks if you're a Chiefs fan. And, I, I mean, it's devastating. That is as bad of a loss as you can have. Especially when the referees, Walt Anderson's corpse, was attempting to help you out a little bit. That's just an unbiased opinion. Uh, this loss stinks. But if you can think big picture, take a deep breath. The sun will come up tomorrow in the morning. Well, maybe, not, I don't know, the weather forecast in Kansas City. But if you live in California, it's coming up tomorrow. Just know that you got Patrick Mahomes on your side. And if he wins the MVP this year, I would say, I mean, how many MVPs could this guy win? It feels like an NBA, LeBron James. I mean, could this guy win like four or five? <laughs> if you told me right now Patrick Mahomes stays healthy, and why couldn't he win four MVPs? Brett Favre once won three straight. Well, why is it out of the realm of possibility with Andy Reid for him just to rattle off a bunch of MVPs? I mean, we've never seen anyone look like this. He doesn't even look human. He can do things that other humans just can't do. And his ability to run outside the pocket and throw darts is incredible. His ability just to ad-lib is incredible. He's just awesome. And he, it's, he makes great plays with Tyreek Hill, but he doesn't even need Tyreek Hill to be great. He's throwing to Kelvin Benjamin, uh, just random dudes. I mean, you're just like, who is they playing with? So I, I think you just take a deep breath. Uh, right now, my MVP conversation is Mahomes, Breeze, Ty. But if the Chiefs were to like lose out and he didn't play well, I, I would throw Philip Rivers would you know go Michael Andretti style, pass a couple people and throw his hat right in the ring. I'm not saying he should win it. And I'm not saying he will win it, because Breeze would still probably be the pole position leader. But I would have no problem with him winning it if they went out and the Chiefs stumbled down the road. Before we get into John Filippo being fired by Mike Zimmer, uh, I, I talked about the game Monday night for Tuesday's podcast, but then he was fired on Tuesday, and obviously the podcast was already out. So I have a couple thoughts on that. But first, let me tell you about my friends at Robinhood. Uh, this is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy, for us blue-collar people. Uh, Non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. 
Simple and intuitive, clear design with data presented in an easy to digest way. Here's the key though. There's no cost or commission fees. Uh, we've all used brokerages, I, I know I have, that charge you up to $10 for every trade. But Robinhood doesn't design, uh, doesn't charge commission fees, trade stocks, and keep all your profits. I mean, that's fees. Anyone realizes this, the older you get in whatever you do, they add up. Uh, design, easy to use. The charts you know, are, are so basic and, and easy to follow and understand. Learn by doing. Uh, you can invest and build your own portfolio, discover new stocks, and track your favorite companies with personalized newsfeed. Robinhood is giving my listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, Sprint, you name it, to help build your portfolio. Sign up at M-I-D-D-L-E-K-A-U-F-1-F.Robinhood.com. That's Middlecoff, 1-F, M-I-D-D-L-E-K-A-U-F.Robinhood.com. Now into Mike Zimmer and John Filippo. Listen, full disclosure, I've said many times, I've known Flip for a while. Uh, really haven't talked to him that much this season, but I, I consider him a friend. I root for him. So I, I'm not being biased here. If, if I thought he sucked, I would admit it. Uh, just happens, you know, m- most of my friends in the league, Coach Reed, Matt Nagy, you know, Brett Veach, Harry Roseman, they're all good. <laughs> you know, I... I don't know many crappy people at their job in the NFL. Uh, so I got a pretty good idea what's good and what's bad. Uh, and I think John D. is a good coach. I also think Mike Zimmer's an excellent coach. But I will say this. Mike Zimmer's somewhat of a dinosaur. His style is archaic. It's not dying, it's dead. Like, Mike, you're somewhat living in the 90s. I still believe defense is important. Look at the game tonight. The Chiefs blew it because they couldn't cover me or you. But you win in this league by throwing the rock. You have two-star receivers. You paid $84 million for Kirk Cousins. John Filippo, who it felt like you kept calling out in the media. Like, hey, bro, th- this isn't 1987. I get you're an old-school tough guy, and I like that. I have a lot of respect for those type guys. I've grown up around those guys. My dad was that type guy. Um, most, all his friends were those type guys. He, he grew up in a generation of that type guys. I feel like I've grown up around a million Mike Zimmers, but their style has worked the majority of my lifetime. These last like five years, especially these last couple years with the changing rules, no longer work like Mike. They get paid to throw the ball. Your running game. First off, Latavius Murray is a terrible short yardage runner. He's six foot three. I've interviewed him before when he was with the Oakland Raiders. I stood right next to him. He's massive. He runs upright. He's really easy to tackle. Dalvin Cook has been consistently hurt all year. So I, I saw you try to force runs in that game because John D. Filippo wanted to acquiesce to your thoughts, and you were getting stuffed. You paid your quarterback $30 million a year to win games by throwing the football. You have two star wide receivers. Thielen and Diggs are both, uh, what, top 12 guys in the league. Thielen's had a top five season. Diggs is, I mean, two top 10 guys. Like you paid, he's got to win the game with his arm. And when the game was on the line, three, nothing in that Monday night game. And I talked about this on Monday, Kirk Cousins didn't get the job done. So you can blame it all you want on the offensive coordinator. We got to run the ball more, more balance, which I get. And I'm not anti running the ball, but I'm sorry, Mike, like that mindset Because I'll tell you this, in that game tonight we watched, there's no chance on God's green earth Mike Zimmer would have thrown up two fingers. Zero. Whether his quarterback was Phillip Rivers, Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana, or Blaine Gabbard. He's kicking the field goal every stinking time. Why? Because he has the dinosaur old school mentality. And that was the right mentality in the 80s with Parcells, Ditka, Buddy Ryan, the Mike Zimmers. I get it. Those aren't the times anymore. You throw the ball. I don't care who your offensive linemen are. I got news for you. Most centers and guards in this league stink. They stink. But you win by throwing the ball. So Zimmer can puff his chest out all you want. Like, we need to throw the ball. First off, I lost respect for Mike Zimmer. Threw his offensive coordinator under the bus three, you know, basically three times in a month. Like, hey, bro, how about keep it in-house? We get you don't like the guy for whatever reason. And again, I swear on my life, 
I haven't been told this. This is all my opinion. I don't. Even, I wouldn't even ask John D. Filippo on this. And first off, he's too high character, high character to even speak down upon this guy. But Mike Zimmer isn't because he kept crushing him publicly. Like that's low level stuff. And again, you get away with that in the '80s, the '90s, the Parcells way. In 2018, you don't act like that. You go viral. It goes on all these blogs. We all talk about it on these podcasts. Like it becomes too big of a story. Like Mike, you know the reason you're not winning is you. Maybe if you were a better offensive coach, you know nothing about offense. Like, hey, what about the game? I remember, I think it was the third week of the season, you went into L.A. and you got lit up like a Christmas tree. I watched your offense was fine. I didn't hear John Filippo the next week saying, God, our defense needs to play better. Like, you're just such a hypocrite. Some of these old school coaches, like, it's all about the team. It's all about the team. No I. And then you start pointing the finger. Like, I, I just, I have a problem with frauds and hypocrites. And I'm not saying Mike... Zimmer's necessarily a fraud, but he's a hypocrite. He's 1,000% a hypocrite because you're not allowed to talk about him like that, but he sure can talk about you like that. And I'm all for unfiltered, no PC BS. And so, but saying your offensive coordinators calling shitty plays, like what do you think the reaction's going to be? He said that a month ago. And then you say it again, and I get it, he fired him. But come on, bro. Like... (laughs) I, I, I just, I don't have much respect for that. Like, I, it's just not the way to handle yourself. And here's the other thing. I, I'll look at the resume. You fired an offensive coordinator this year. You had a guy two years ago quit. His name happens to be Norv Turner. Of offensive coordinators in my 34 years of life, I'm just talking offensive coordinators, not what you are as a head coach. Norv Turner is easily a top three offensive coordinator. Just the offensive coordinator. Like, that's Norv Turner, top three offensive coordinator. He quit. Said, I, I can't take this old school nut job. So I I lost a little respect for Mike Zimmer. And listen, it's his team. You do what you want. But to, to constantly throw the OC under the bus and then eventually fire him for throwing the ball. Andy Reid's been the best offensive coordinator in this league for 25 years. Throwing the football. You paid Kirk Cousins $84 million to throw the football. Like, yo, Mike, get with the times, bro. Okay, let's get into some interesting news that came out this week about the NFL salary cap. And before I dive into it, I just want to, you know, this is a football podcast. And what I'm about to say, you're going to be like, God, middle class, you must hate the NBA or Major League Baseball. I love the NBA. Watch every Warriors game. I'm lucky enough to live in the Bay Area and and watch this greatness. Uh, Grew up on Michael Jordan. I still kind of like the Kinks, who actually have a sneaky good squad. I'm a big basketball guy. And I'm one of the rare guys under 50 that consumes a shitload of baseball. Uh, I watch way too much San Francisco Giants, and I'm I just a baseball fan in general. So I, I'm just a sports geek. I mean, that's really at the end of the day. So I may take some shots at those two sports here in the next couple minutes, but I love those two sports. So I am not one of those guys that's not watching it. That's actually the masses. But a story came out this week that the NFL salary cap has risen 40% since 2014 and is projected to be potentially over $190 million. Basically, if where it's going is where it's projected, it's gone up $10 million a year. This upcoming spring will be its sixth straight year. Business is a booming. But a media narrative, and one thing I, I just try to be real on this show, that has been in the forefront, I would say the last... I don't know, five, six years, over that span of just crazy, crazy growth has been that not just the NFL's failing, that Roger Goodell's an idiot, that people don't like football, and really the ratings are back up. But the number one thing is that business has never been better. The NFL, unlike the other two sports, don't get it twisted. Baseball doesn't pay coaches. So the players get paid, no one else getting paid, players and owners. Uh, in the NBA, some coaches get paid. A lot of them don't get paid that much, and there just aren't that many players. So it's making players rich, but there's only 12 a team. Well, actually, there's 15. But 12 guys that actually dress every game. In football, everyone's getting rich. The players, the coaches, the execs, the owners, the media members, everyone's making money. And one narrative that football was going to die and be overtaken by the NBA, again, I love the NBA. Outside of the Warriors and LeBron, no one watches. 
The Eastern Conference ratings since LeBron left are in the tank. The masses do not consume basketball. Baseball, I know everyone loves to tell me, oh, Bryce Harper's going to make $300 million. They've never made more revenue. Well, I got, a co- I got some news for you. They've never had less people attend baseball games. They've never had less younger people watch baseball games. I think baseball, and again, I love the sport. I consume the sport. But there are very similar parallels to probably newspapers 15 years ago. Like, it's clear where we're heading. And baseball, while they're making money in the short term, big picture, they're in some trouble. Don't, don't, let, don't ever get that twisted. The youth is not consuming the sport. Here's the other thing. Wind blows fastest at the top of the mountain. Like, everyone's coming for the NFL. Of course they are. They've been on top now for 10-plus years, maybe more. But they've really been on top in an economic boom of the last 10 years of, a, of an absolute war for attention and the ability to get people's eyeballs. The NFL has lapped these other sports. And it's a combination of fantasy sports, gambling, and just an urgency that the other sports cannot duplicate. But the most important thing is consistently the cap. Basketball, the cap hasn't risen for like the last three years. In baseball, like five teams pay players. <laughs> the, the Oakland A's, who had the lowest payroll in baseball, are cutting salary. In, in football, and it's not just the players getting paid. The coaches have never made more. The executives have never made more. And again, one issue I've always had with the media, and I'm in the media, but just... The, the group think in the media is they attack the NFL. And I get that's naturally the job of quote-unquote journalists. But anyone that covers the NFL has never made more money. You're watching seven-figure guys all over television, a ton of high six-figure level reporters. The media, they're like the top 2% in America. It's why I think there's been a lot of pushback the last several years on Twitter. And I'm not just talking the president, but just in general from both sides is that they're kind of, they relate more to the elites than the guy sitting at the top of the stands in any of these games. But all I know is this. They say the game's not healthy, yet people have never made more money. The players have never made more money. The salary cap has risen 40% since 2014. It's why, on more of a, uh, on more of an individual example of Khalil Mack, why I kind of crushed the Raiders. They're like, oh, you can't afford to have two $20 million players. I think the casual fan, and some owners love this because they don't want, Mark Davis just might not have the money, that they couldn't afford Khalil Mack and Derek Carr. They act like the, the salary cap is $80 million. It's about to be $190, $190 million. Now, I, I, I never advocate, beside the quarterback, allocating a lot of money to you know, probably five or six guys. There are two or, th- I always say, there are two or three people, non-quarterback, worth paying. Khalil Mack just happened to be one of those people. I actually heard, who'd I hear this week? I, I, I forget, and I'm not trying to steal the topic because I did not think of this myself, that eventually in the new CBA, the NFL should think about, and, and they, this would probably lower the salary cap, but benefit other players, having the quarterback money when it comes to a second contract be off the books or be in its own separate category and not count against the cap. Uh, I, 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 I want to say, I can't remember even who said it. I, I'm, re, I'm, I'm not, I did not think of that myself. I heard someone else saying it. Uh, maybe it was someone on Bill Simmons' podcast. And I, I like the idea. Uh, no, I, I, I Ryan Rosillo's, I don't know. But I, I actually think it's a pretty good idea. But just know this. When everyone's trying to say, the NBA, the NBA, the Golden State Warriors, who are the best team in the NBA this season, will not play one, let me repeat, one meaningful regular season game. Every one of their 82 regular season games don't mean diddly poop. In baseball, the season is so damn long that you could gain 20 pounds and then lose it 20 pounds. Just, I'm not saying baseball players, they usually gain weight, but just as a human in the, in the, during that season. Football is the king for a reason. They have the most eyeballs. 
They create the most interest. Their games, their storylines matter, but their actual games during the regular season matter the most. This Steeler-Patriot game really matters. This Colts-Dallas game really mattered. I sat on my couch two nights ago, watched the Warriors play the Raptors. The Warriors got their ass kicked. The game didn't mean anything to the Warriors. Not a thing. The Warriors will play another game, if you're listening to this on Friday, Friday night against the Kings. It's one of the biggest games in Sacramento in 10 years. It literally means nothing, maybe negative things, to the Golden State Warriors. So while you have media members that will say, oh, the the NFL is screwed, they're dead, I refuse to watch the NFL. Well, the NBA, and especially politically, the NBA doesn't allow players to kneel. They mandate that you stand. Major League Baseball, the youth isn't watching. The NFL, I wouldn't go as far to say it's never been healthier because they do have a problem just with somewhat of a narrative. Uh, and, and I say narrative because there is science behind it, but there's also other science that's questioning that people can develop CTE on their own. And listen, I'm not naive to the fact that the dispute that playing football at a young age can have uh, and, and create issues. Like, I'm not trying to say that at all. There are problems. Would I let my kid play high school football? 100% yes. Would I let him play tack- will tackle football? I don't even have children yet. But even be around when my kid's 10 like it was for me, peewees? Probably not. And that's probably for the better. No one's disputing that. But don't ever get it twisted. No sport creates more money for its players, for its coaches, for minorities, for its owners. It's the healthiest league by a country mile, and it will continue to be that for the foreseeable future. Let's get into another story that I saw broke and a bunch of people are freaking out. And my first takeaway was, of course he did. Kyler Murray, who's been really polarizing, the baseball hot stove took place this week in Las Vegas, which is where the NFL draft's going to be in 2020. That's a pretty sweet draft location. I I might have to cruise there for the three and out podcast. But Scott Boris made some bold proclamations about Amari Cooper. I said Amari Cooper. Kyler Murray, 100% playing baseball. This week, he changed his tune a little bit. Nothing in concrete. And then it came out today, Thursday, at least the first I saw it, that Kyler Murray is throwing his name into the underclassmen evaluation NFL committee. And everyone's like, oh my God, he's going to play in the NFL. And he might. But this is common practice. And I, I think sometimes... We all have certain just common practices in whatever field we work in that are just basic way that our industry operates. And if you have a pulse in college football as an underclassman, more than a pulse, like are a solid player, and you are thinking or it even crossed your mind, what round would I get drafted? It doesn't cost you anything or takes you any time. You just ask to be evaluated. Kyler Murray would be nuts if he didn't ask what round by this NFL committee, and it's like a, it's like a group of GMs and, and high-level execs around the league that kind of split up these players and give an initial grade on them. It's not anything like he is 100% a top 10 pick. It's, you know, it's actually pretty open-ended. This guy is a first-rounder. This guy is a second-day pick. It's not even very specific. But he would have been crazy to not throw his hat in the ring and his name in the ring to get evaluated. And I've been talking about Kyler Murray for a while and this notion that, listen, the, the biggest difference between Major League Baseball and the NFL, if you're a quarterback and going to be a first round pick, which he might be. Now, there is a chance. And if I was advising Kyler, here's what I would say. If you do whatever, first off, I'm a big believer, do whatever makes you happy. Don't listen to your dad who was about as arrogant and as egotistical as any parent I've ever seen at the Heisman deal. Don't listen to Scott Boris. Don't listen to hell, Joel Siegel or Tom Condon or whoever your NFL agent would be. Do whatever makes you happy. That's, That's just how I lead my life with anyone. Just do you, man. Don't listen to other people that you do other things to make other people happy. Do what you want to do. If that's baseball, it's baseball. If it's football, it's football. If it's both, attempt both. 
Don't let other people try to dictate your happiness. But when it comes to football, the NFL Combine, I, you know, for the most part, uh, he wouldn't be in ML like major league camp because he's a rookie. So he would usually those guys have to report like early March. Go to the combine, Kyler. You don't even need to work out, throw, or anything. Just meet with teams, and every team would want to talk to him. Go talk to Belichick. Go talk to Tom Coughlin. Go talk to John Gruden. Uh, you know, I laugh because it's hard not when you talk about Gruden. Pete Carroll, whoever. Just get a feel. See if that's something you're interested in doing. Just go talk. All you have to do is go through the interview process, get measured so they get a feel like, you know, if Kyler Murray's 5'9", everyone might tell him, listen, Kyler, there's no chance I can draft you in the first round at 5'9". But maybe he measures in at, you know, 5'11". And people go, God, he's not as short as I think. But just, if it's if it's the itch that you want to scratch, do that at least. Now, if at the end of the day you're like, I don't really want to be a third-round pick, whatever, then, then go play baseball. But here's what I do know. That if you do get, if people are talking about you being drafted in the first round, and me personally... If he is measured over 5'10", I think he would be a first-round pick. I've said over and over, he's a better NFL prospect than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson went pick 32. I'd also say, Kyler, listen, fast guys should always run because running at the combine or a pro day when you're fast only helps you. Like, Kyler, if you're going to run a 4.40 or 4.38 or 4.42, you will set the entire con- – just all you have to do is run a 40. Run 140 like Deion Sanders and then bounce. You will set the combine a buzzing. But just just go down that road and talk to people. You don't even have to sign with an agent. Just go and talk to people. And then you can find out if that's something you want to do or not do. Because here's what I do know about the Oakland A's. And the great part about baseball and for on Billy Bean's side is the Oakland A's made the playoffs without Kyler Murray. They will make the playoffs or at least contend to make the playoffs again in 2019 without Kyler Murray. In baseball... Unlike in football and basketball, if your first-round pick busts, it doesn't really affect or impact that current team. It may have domino effects down the road, but the Buster Poseys of the world, the Bryce Harpers, none of those guys played in the show their first year in professional baseball. They all spent time in the minor leagues. Now, Kyler, if you are questioning going to ride buses, because you will have to ride buses, you will have to learn to hit the breaking pitch, just entertain playing football. Now, I don't think in this day and age, and I was texting with a buddy that said, like, go Google Deion Sanders' stats in baseball. They are much better than I think the casual people think. He once led the league in triples. Uh, he was a good player for playoff-level teams. Now, it was easier back then, the commitment. Also, he played corner, where it's just like, show up and check the number one wide receiver. Where in Kyler's uh, instance, that at quarterback, the time commitment you have to make to the team is 365. And in baseball, given that his growth as a player, he would need to spend time. Like, I don't think it's necessarily plausible uh, to do both. Now, again, back to what I originally said. If he wanted to do both, go ahead. Now, it, it could, I would say, the one risk would be, Kyler, again, if he was asking me to advise him, I would say, if you try to do both, you might limit your potential in both and end up failing in both. Well, if you went all in in one and then fail, whether that's football or baseball, you can always go back to the other. So I I was taught at a young age, the reason to always, even if you don't like school, just to try in school is the better your grades are, the more options you end up having. And I'm someone that hated school. I like going to school to be around my buddies and be around girls. But I never liked school, from junior high to high school to even college. But as I got older and older, especially even in college, I wanted to work in football. So to get a G, to get a graduate assistant job, I had to have good enough grades to get into a graduate program. So I had to try. If I hadn't tried in college, in undergrad, I might not have been able to get into college football because my grades wouldn't have been good enough to get into a graduate school, even at a school like Fresno State. I had to have above a 3-0 just to get into the graduate program. And again, for someone that does not care about school, that, that was somewhat of a challenge. And I'm not the brightest guy. But but I really think that Kyler Murray, regardless what this grade comes back, and I think best case, obviously, it's first round. Worst case, it's probably like third or fourth round. Regardless what it is, if you are even thinking about it, 
just go to the combine and just talk to Belichick and company. And I, I just mean every coach, because every team would want to talk. And just get a feel for it then. And just see if that's something you want to do. Because it's pretty clear that Boris wants him to play baseball. Of course he does. That's how Boris would make money. He's not going to make any money if he's a starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. His dad, it feels like, wants him to at least try baseball. Uh, that's sure what it seems like to everything I've read. But let's face it. I, I played baseball and football growing up. Football is just a little more fun. Uh, I can't even imagine what it's like. I never played quarterback. What it's like playing quarterback. So just just try it out. Just just taste it. And if that's something you want to do, th- then do it. But go to the combine. Let's get into uh, something interesting. Talking to a buddy this week in the NFL. And listen, I have a football philosophy that I do not believe in taking running backs in the first round. That doesn't mean that it doesn't work, because it clearly does. Like, Todd Gurley has been a fantastic pick, right? Uh, Christian McCaffrey has been a home run pick. I There's no chance, and I'm from the Bay, and I watched basically every game Christian McCaffrey ever played at Stanford. I would not have taken him in the first round, let alone in the top 10. I thought it was crazy. I look kind of like an idiot now. I, so I'm not always going to be... There are certain players that are going to make me look dumb. But I never would have messed with Leonard Fournette. Uh, hell, I wouldn't have messed with Zeke at, at four. And he's he's unreal. He's a monster. But I was adamant that the New York Jets... Or excuse me, the New York Giants were crazy for taking Saquon over Sam Darnold. I still believe uh, on, on basically every level that you all, especially because I believe in Sam Darnold, that you take the quarterback super high, especially over running back. But I will say this. Every time I watch Saquon Barkley, I think, holy moly, is this guy elite. Talk to my buddy in the league. He's, he brought up a good point. I'm like, how good is Saquon Barkley? And he said, without hesitation, he thinks he's the best running back in the NFL. And he's like, did you watch Todd Gurley the other night against the Bears? He wanted no part of that smoke in that cold where Barkley is thriving in the cold on a team that actually now is playing really good football. When you look at Saquon Barkley and if you just watch him, you go, oh my God, this guy is incredible. He can absolutely fly. He can run inside. He can run outside. He can catch the ball and he can block. I don't think people realize Saquon Barkley has 78 catches this year. 78. And it's not like they're just little dump downs. He's averaging over 8 yards a catch. He also has already over 1,100 yards and and 9 rushing touchdowns. He has 14 runs over 20 plus yards. Obviously he has a couple, multiple long runs. The guy is a game-changing all-time great. And as... My buddy reiterated, he's like, if he stays healthy, he's a Hall of Famer. And I I think you have to be careful when you say that. I don't even think that's disputable here. So if you are going to take a running back over a quarterback, again, I'm not playing Monday morning quarterback. I would not have done it. And even looking back, I still would rather have Sam Darnold big picture because the quarterback is that important. But if you are going to make that move, and in fairness to Gettleman, you better draft a Hall of Famer. And he was adamant that it was like the best player he'd ever evaluated and he was going to be a future Hall of Famer. Well, he's not wrong because Saquon Barkley, simply put, is already on that path. And I know I, Bill Simmons has said he's going to be the best running back he's ever seen. You, you could argue he's the best running back as a rookie since Adrian Peterson. And Adrian Peterson is obviously headed to the Hall of Fame. Gurley, a little skewed because he was injured coming in that year. Zeke, great player, but benefited that first year from having just a dominant, dominant offensive line. Saquon Barkley does not play with a good offensive line. He plays with a quarterback who's actually playing a lot better, but he's still Eli Manning. And his offensive line is not good. He is an incredible player. And I think it's clear, really just him and even Christian McCaffrey. I wouldn't put Christian McCaffrey on his level. But both those two guys, like Chris McCaffrey's having a Marshall Falk level season. Just absolutely just a dominant fantasy year. Marshall Falk, LT, just, I mean, an elite fantasy year. And again, you, you guys know me. I'm not just coming at it from the fantasy perspective. Though I do like daily fantasy. 
But like, if you produce fantasy huge fantasy numbers as a running back, you're dominating. And Christian McCaffrey's dominating, and he's playing really good. But Saquon Barkley is on a completely different level. Like, there is not a general manager in the NFL, and I like Zeke, that would take Zeke over Saquon. And that includes Jerry. If you really just handed him a drink and said, Jerry, let's be honest. Let's take the emotion out of it, and let's be honest. Saquon's a better player. Saquon's a better player than Todd Gurley. And I was someone that was somewhat down on Todd Gurley. I thought he didn't have great vision, uh, and his instincts were just kind of average. He was just an elite physical specimen. He's got a lot better at that. He really has. Like McVay and the coaching staff, have created a much better player over the last 12 months. And really the last two years. Like, he, he's improved a lot. But Sa- Saquon is really special. And for as much crap as I gave Dave Gettleman when he drafted him, I got to give him credit. Because everything that he built this guy to be uh, and what he thought he was, he is. Uh, he's a freak. He's the easiest offensive rookie of the year that will, you know, voting, if you vote for that, you'll ever vote for. Uh, it's a no-brainer. I mean, he might get to 100 catches and rush for 1,500 yards. And the eye test, the stat test, the every test, he passes with flying colors. Okay, going to do a couple Middlecoff mailbags before I get out of here on a Thursday night and as you're listening on a Friday. Don't want the podcast to go on forever. Uh, but always going to do Middlecoff mailbags every show at John Middlecoff, Instagram, Slide up in those DMs, baby. Uh, okay, here we go. Where do you think Le'Veon Bell will end up? Do you think he would be a good pickup for a team like the Chiefs or the Eagles? Will he be worth the contract he'll be asking for after missing a season? Start with the latter part of that question. I don't think he's worth the contract he'll be asking for. Probably like $50 million guaranteed, more than Todd Gurley. Uh, as you saw tonight with the Chiefs, that Williams kid they have that went to LSU, God, he's pretty good. Uh, so, no, I don't think the Chiefs would. I mean, Andy's always finding guys in the later rounds. The Eagles, they have had a history of liking splashy players. Uh, it's going to be a little difficult with their cap. It's the NFL. You can always maneuver, cut guys, make room. Uh, but there are so many teams, as I talked about earlier in the podcast, the, uh, the, the, the amount of teams with cap room has never been as high. But I do think, for the most part, most general managers in the NFL are going to be hesitant when it comes to paying running backs. Uh, You don't see it very often, and when you do see it, it's with your own guy. You know, if this was 20 years ago, I'd say 100% someone's going to break them off. But these GMs, we have so much information. It is somewhat, from what I've heard, and listen, I watch a ton of college football, I don't see that many stud running backs in college coming out in this draft. Seems like a lot of the good ones are underclassmen in the sense where they're not even draft eligible. Uh, So, you know, more than the Eagles, probably like the Colts or the Jets, who are a little more desperate. uh, It kind of feels like one of those places. If I had to guess right now, I'd say around $30 million guaranteed. And here's the thing to remember. Uh, He lost, he's $15 million in the hole. Like he lost 14 point whatever it was this season on the second franchise tag that he would have had. So that's, he's in the red right now. That, that was a season that did not exist. So if he gets $30 million, it's actually like he only got an extra $15 because he's making back what he would have made. Hey, John, what do you think about the idea of college football adding something similar to the NFL salary cap? Maybe limit the number of five-star recruits and transfers. I've never, this is kind of a smart question. Basically something to help introduce a little more parity in the college game. It gets too repetitive with the same teams always at the top, especially with Alabama's complete dominance over the last decade. Here's the one thing I would say is not every player Alabama signs is a five-star. Like, the stars are a little predicated on the people running rivals or 24-7 sports, or those might even be the same now. But you know the recruiting services. I think that would be really difficult. Uh, maybe the transfer rule can change a little bit. But right now, even if you transfer schools, if you're not a graduate, you have to sit out a year. So even if you leave school X to go to another school, like the quarterback for Washington, Eason, he left Georgia and went to Washington. Well, he couldn't play this year. Now, granted, would he have beat out Jake Browning? I mean, in theory, he probably should have. But Chris Peterson was going to play Jake Browning no matter what. So I, I like the rule where you have to sit out a year. 
And the graduate transfer rule doesn't really bother me in the sense that you only got one year to play. Uh, Shea Patterson this year was kind of an outlier because of what happened at Ole Miss. Usually you have to sit out a year, like look at Baker Mayfield several years ago when he transferred as a, as a walk-on. So it'd be pretty difficult. I, I don't know exactly how you do that. Because again, like salary cap, there is a actual amount of money. Some people might have a guy listed as a five-star where the other guy has him listed as a four-star. Now that being said, Alabama, Ohio State are getting the best players right now. There's no Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia. I mean, they're by far. I mean, you just watch them on television. You're like, holy hell. The guy doesn't even look like a human. Like, Where are they getting these people? But I, like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah, I, as a wise man once told me, the thing about Saban is the players aren't choosing him. He's choosing them. For the most part, that's true. Like, Saban chooses you. You don't choose them. But for a lot of guys, non-Alabama, the the school kind of, you know, they choose the school. So, in theory, it's the players picking where they're going to school. So, to dictate to tell a guy, you know, if Ohio State wants you, that you can't go to Ohio State because they've already hit their limit of good players – I mean, seems a little unfair to an 18-year-old. And the other thing is, a lot of guys transfer. Just because you transfer doesn't mean you're good. I mean, a lot of guys transfer to, you know, smaller schools, and they're just never that good. I remember when I first started working at Fresno State, we had several big-time Division One transfers. And you know what turned out a lot of times? That they just weren't that good of players. I mean, they were average players at Fresno State. They definitely couldn't play for the Miamis or the Oregons or whatever schools they were going to. And if you if you know if you can put the years I was at Fresno State, you'd know the players I'm talking about. But they're just it just shows you, and it, you see it a lot with college quarterbacks. They transfer, and, and they're just not that good. So, you know, the reason Alabama's so good is not obviously the talent. Same with Ohio State, and same with USC. You know, with the Pete Carroll days, they have a lot of talent, but they have the best coaching. Like Saban is just a better coach than everyone else. So it just. I like where your head's at, and I'm all for thinking outside the box and making college football a little more interesting. God, I'd love it that some Pac-12 teams would throw their hat in the ring. But I, I just don't know how that, like in theory, that kind of makes some sense. But in reality and in practice, I don't know if it's really possible. Uh, last, qu- last question. What do you think about your boy Flip getting canned? I, I talked about that earlier, so I'll go one more question. Uh, okay, here's one. Can you share what brand of microphone you use? We're always thinking about, you know, answering different type questions. You can ask me anything on the Middlecoff mailbag. The school where I teach is trying to set up a media room space, and I would love for us to be able to host our own podcast. I don't want too many podcasts out there. You know, we got to try to make some money here. I have the blue microphone. It's the blue USB. It just plugs into my computer. Boom, I, I record it. You know, it was like not even that expensive, like a hundred bucks. Probably should get a higher level microphone, but this is a very affordable microphone that I use for multiple podcasts and anything I ever record on my computer. And it literally plugs right into my Apple. I'm a big Apple guy. Uh, haven't been for long, but since I've been doing stuff on my own, it's the best product to use. USB cord right into my computer, and boom. Uh, it's really easy to use and you can get it at like a Best Buy or hell, even Amazon. Uh, I'll take a picture for you on Instagram a little later, but it's the blue, blue USB uh, microphone. Well, it's been a long podcast. Uh, What a day, man. What a night. That that was a, uh, beside Walt Anderson, who's easily the worst referee in any sport that consistently does big games, probably in the history of sports. uh, What a game. What a what a night for Rivers! Pretty cool night still, just for Arrowhead. Just just a fantastic, fantastic ball game. Uh, appreciate everyone listening. See you next week. Have a good weekend. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, 
and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.